0: Good morning. Up through this, and while you're turning there, or if you're going to continue the screen, uh, thank you for just the gospel to me this morning. It was awesome. It was awesome. I, I, I love my favorite. I, I love singing about. God's love for us, and thank goodness his love and his affection for us for changes, and despite our performance, it doesn't change. And so we. Is this going in and out? Yeah. I don't know if it's different. I might just need to grab a. There you go. Okay, I just won't move. This is going to be hard. <laughs> What I was trying to say before we got derailed there is really this book of Exodus is, is just so much, there's so many times I'm reminded over and over that God's faithfulness does not depend upon our performance. And, and I think the Israelites are, eventually, I, I, I hope that they get that. And I know in Christ, that's our hope. That's our hope. And so today, uh, as we are in the midst of the plagues, it's a weird plague too, we're talking about frogs today, Um, my hope is that we would see God's faithfulness and that we would become more reliant upon Him. And so we're uh, in these plagues, and just as a reminder, if you haven't been with us, these plagues there's multiple reasons for them. There's multiple multiple purposes that God has for these plagues. There's the obvious purpose of God moving Pharaoh to let the Israelites go from slavery in Egypt so that they can go and worship him and and serve him. And so we've got this whole theme of redemption that's going on throughout the book of Exodus. But also beyond that, you also see that God is making himself known. He's making his name known. Over and over we see this so that the the Israelites and the Egyptians, and so really the rest of the world would know that I am God. He says that over and over and over. And so we see his faithfulness here. We see him keeping his covenant promises. He's making that character, part of his name known, that he is faithful. The promise that he made to Abraham to take his people out of Egypt, take this family out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. He's going to fulfill that promise Also, we see his justice here. God is showing everyone his justice as he's bringing judgment down on the Egyptians and upon also the Egyptian gods, and we're going to see that again today. And so in Moses' first encounter with Pharaoh, if you remember this, he he comes and God gives him a sign of the the staff of God. Aaron puts it down and it becomes a snake, right? While well, these Egyptian magicians are able to do the same thing through their dark arts, or maybe it's a sleight of hand, we don't know. But what was significant about that is the, the staff of God swallows up the, the magicians' staffs. And that was really a foreshadowing of all these plagues that are coming. And ultimately, they culminate with the Egyptian army being swallowed up in the Red Sea. And so today... Uh, Actually, going back to a couple weeks ago, with the first plague of blood, uh, the Nile River turns to blood, and what we see there is that God is really showing his sovereignty over the the gods of the Nile, and the Egyptians end up getting swallowed up by this blood. Well, today they're going to get swallowed up by some frogs as God says this plague. Let me get a different mic. Where's the handheld mic? Do you still have it? Perry's got it. Distracting otherwise. All right, that's better. All right, so this is what I want us to see. As I read through this text, this week God's going to crank up the pressure, okay? So last week, or two weeks ago, when we were talking about the the plague of the Nile turning into blood, that was annoying. Well, this one's even more annoying, okay? So he cranks up the pressure. Uh, Egypt's going to be swallowed up by these frogs. And obviously, this is unusual. Once again, this is God showing his sovereignty over the Egyptian gods. We're going to see that. Also, what I want you to see, and I want you to pay special attention to, how Pharaoh responds to this plague. And I also want you to think about what God is trying to teach Pharaoh and what God's trying to teach us when Moses asks Pharaoh, when do you want me to request that God get rid of this plague? I think that's significant. And then finally, notice once again that Pharaoh's heart just continues to get harder through this process. Let's pray one more time and then we'll dive into this text. Father, right now I plead with you and I cry out to you to do what we cannot do ourselves. I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would teach us and enlighten our hearts that we would know the depth of your love towards us and the depth of your faithfulness towards us and we would have an assurance that would build up in us and create a joy and an obedience and a passion and a boldness to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would see your glory in this passage and that it would change us that your spirit would change us and mold us and renew our confidence in you and remind us of who you are and what you've done for us. And we would walk out of here with just, just beaming with joy because of who you are and what you've done. And that would carry us through the difficult times and the challenges of our lives. I pray for those in this room right now who are just feeling overwhelmed and burdened by life and by their own frustrating sins that hang on and just the, the world that we live in, the brokenness that we live in. I pray for them to see your beauty and your glory in this text and they would be comforted and find peace in you and rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's pick up in chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, and to say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs, that... "'shall come up into your house and into your bedroom "'and onto the bed, on your bed "'and into the houses of your servants and your people "'and into the ovens and your kneading bowls. "'The frogs shall come up on you and on your people "'and all, on all of your servants. "'And the Lord said to Moses, "'Say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff "'over the river, rivers, over the canals and over the pools "'and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt.'" And so Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron, and he said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me, when I am to plead for you, and for your servants, and for your people, that the frogs be cut off from you, and your houses, and be left only in the Nile. And he, Pharaoh, said, tomorrow, Moses said, and Moses said, but it, be at, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall go away from you, and your houses, and your servants, and your people. They shall be, be left only in the Nile. And so Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, in the courtyards, in the fields, and they gathered them in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. All right, let's walk through this passage together. Let's start start back at the very beginning, verse 1. The Lord then the Lord said to Moses, "Go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me." And we're going to start to see some patterns develop with these plagues. And we're we're going to see him continue to say, "Thus says the Lord, let my people go." And notice again, he says so that They may serve me, or it could be translated, worship me. God is saying to Pharaoh, look, they have served you long enough. Let them go so they can serve me, their one true God. And then following this, we have this warning of the plague that's about to come. Verse 2, but if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all of your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your house and your bedroom and on your bed and into the house of your servants and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frog shall come up upon you and on your people and upon your servants. I mean, Just imagine this. Ugh. (laughs) How awful this plague would be. I mean, if you're in Egypt, you're probably still trying to wash the blood out of your clothes, right? From the last plague. It was disgusting. And, And now here you hear this growing chorus of croaking frogs hopping closer and closer to you. It's kind of interesting. The Hebrew word here for frogs, they didn't actually have a word for frogs. They probably didn't even know what a frog was until they came into Egypt and they saw the Nile. And so the word here for frog means croaker. (laughs) That's what it means. And so all these croakers are coming and, and there's this plague of croakers in Hebrews swarming swarms of croakers croakers everywhere and so y- y- if you're in egypt i mean you run into your house thinking okay i'm going to get away from the frogs you close the door you think you've escaped and nope they've already gotten into your house and they're everywhere they're everywhere they're in your bedroom i mean imagine waking up in the middle of the night trying to go to the restroom i mean you might like we joke about walking on a lego right can you imagine stepping on a frog and feeling the guts between your toes Ugh. I mean, and, and you can't even get, and their beds, it's not like their beds were raised back then. They they slept on the floor on a mat, and so the, the frogs are in your bed. They're everywhere. I mean, they're in your your dishes, and I mean, I like frog legs and all. It tastes like chicken, right? But, I mean, I don't want them in my bread, okay? They're everywhere. Yeah, it would be hard to sleep. You're probably not eating well. I mean, this is a really annoying, okay? Uh, we thought the last plague was annoying. This one is even worse. And the noise, I mean, imagine the noise. I mean, if you've gone camping or you've slept outside and they're around a pond, one frog can be loud. Can you imagine frogs everywhere? The noise would be unbearable. Now, some people, they try to argue that these plagues can be explained away with, like, natural phenomenon right? That, it's like they, they argue that, oh yeah, this is this is actually, if you look up the plagues, it's not hard to find on Google that like all these explanations, and so they start with, okay, the Red Sea, like silt, red silt came up, or some kind of red algae uh, contaminated the water and killed the fish, and, and the frogs, because of that, they leapt out of the Nile because they didn't want to die, and they but, but it doesn't explain the amount of frogs or the timing of all this. or It, it doesn't really accord to the, the biblical narrative, really, if you think about it. I mean, the ridiculous number of frogs. And they didn't just escape from the Nile, according to the Bible, according to this passage. They, they, and they didn't stay close to the Nile. They went everywhere. Okay? So that doesn't make sense that this was just some kind of natural phenomenon. I mean, this would have been miserable. Frog swarming is the word. And it's interesting, that word swarming? Is the same word that's used back in chapter 1, verse 7. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increasing greatly, and they multiplied and they grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled or swarming with them. And if you recall, that is the reason that Pharaoh tried to uh, lower their fertility rate, right, by killing the, the firstborn uh, and also or the, the babies. And then he, he also uh, eventually just put them into slavery, is because they were swarming all around. And so now uh, they're, they're getting swarmed by something much worse than the Israelites these frogs. Now, I, I think the irony shouldn't be missed there. Once again, I think what we see is the, the results of worshiping other gods and, and the destruction. That happens because of that in in fact there's irony in the egyptian goddess haket was a fertility god and it's uh, this god is depicted with a a frog head and so this fertility god and uh and god is saying look i have sovereignty i am way more powerful than these fake gods that you're worshiping in they only lead to disaster and we come to verse five and the lord says to moses Say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff. And again, this is the staff of God. It's going to continue to show up. Put it over the rivers and the canals and the pools and make the frogs come up on the land of Egypt. And notice the frogs are not just coming out of the Nile, they're coming out of everywhere. And so Aaron, verse 6, he's obedient, of course. He does this. Stretches out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came and they covered the land. Verse, uh, Psalm 78 actually describes this as devastating. Says that the, the frogs destroyed them, literally ruined them, made waste, laid, they laid waste over the land. Yeah, the first plague was annoying, but they keep getting worse. And you're going to see this trajectory that they culminate ultimately in the death of the firstborn Egyptians. All right, going down to verse 7. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Now notice once again that the Egyptian magicians are only able to make the plague worse. Okay? They can't fix it. They can only make it worse. They can only add to the plague. And notice that Pharaoh doesn't go to his magicians to try to get some relief, does he? He goes to Moses, which I think is fascinating. Look at verse 8. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron, and he said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs From me and from my people and i will let the people go to sacrifice to the lord and so what we are seeing here is god is fulfilling his mission right he's making himself known even to pharaoh if you recall back in chapter 5 pharaoh is like who is this lord you speak of that i should listen to him he doesn't even know who this guy is now though things are starting to change not only does pharaoh recognize that this is the lord's work he also recognized that he that he's not in a position he He doesn't have a right standing before God to go to God himself. He needs a mediator. He needs Moses. And so he calls on Moses and says, I need your help. Can you go and plead to God and ask him to relent? I think there's an important lesson here. You see, Pharaoh has, at this point, if you think about it, he's tasted some of the power of God at this point. He's been convinced, at least on some level, of who God is, but his heart has not changed. It's still rock hard. Pharaoh now has good, logical, reasonable reasons to believe in God. He's seen multiple miracles at this point, but that does not cause him to bow down and worship God because it has not fixed his rebellious heart. And I think the lesson here is that, look, we can, we can tell others, and we should tell others about the good news of Jesus, we should, but we need to recognize that we can give them wonderful, logical, convincing reasons to believe in Jesus, and yet the person may remain indifferent to the gospel. Even Jesus and the apostles experienced this. They would do miracles, and not everybody would believe, right? You see, it's because evidence and reason may correct ignorance, but it does not correct rebellion. It may correct ignorance, but it does not correct rebellion. Only God can do that. Only God can grant faith and repentance to someone. Only God can save. So learning apologetics is a good thing, okay? Primarily for your own faith, though. It strengthens your own faith. And it may help somebody that doesn't know Christ. It might clear up some some misconceptions that they have, and, and help some of their ignorance. But apologetics is never enough to soften somebody's heart, hardened heart. They need the Holy Spirit to open their spiritual eyes and to give them a, a new heart. And so, conversion is always supernatural. We can't force it any more than we can force a seed to grow out of the ground. My wife and I are trying to be gardeners this year for the first time, and. Uh, uh, we have purple thumbs, but fortunately, not because of us, the, the things are growing in our garden. But it's definitely not because, because see, you can water a seed, you, you can put it in the sun, you can keep the weeds from overwhelming it, but you can't force it to grow. You think I, I think evangelism is a whole lot like gardening, actually, okay? You plant the seed by sharing the good news of Jesus, you try to make sure that they're in good soil in a healthy church where they can grow and they... They can um, learn. You water the plant through prayer. You you bathe the plant in sunlight of of God's word and, and the truth. Sometimes you need to remove the weeds of false teaching that they've picked up. But then you just need to rest in Christ's work and trust God to do what you cannot do, create new life. We can't do that. Here in Exodus, Pharaoh may be getting smarter. Okay, He's a little bit less ignorant about God. He's a little bit more desperate, but his heart has not been softened at all. But if you recall, that's part of God's plan. In this this story, that's part of God's plan. I think it's interesting here how Moses responds to Pharaoh. Look down at verse 9. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you. And for your servants and for your people, that the frogs be cut off from you and your house and be left only in the Nile. And so Moses is basically saying to Pharaoh, yeah, no problem. I'll plead to God. In fact, you want me to plead to God to quit sending the frogs? You just tell me when you want those frogs gone. And I think that's significant. In fact, I love this. God leaves no doubt that these plagues are truly from him. Not only is God going to cut them off, cut the frogs off, but you can choose the time in which I'm going to do it. I feel like God's almost like toying with Pharaoh here a little bit. It's kind of like the the, the one card trick that I know that some of you have seen where I, I trick you into thinking that you're picking a random card even though I know the card that you're going to pick ahead of time. And I think but God doesn't have any kind of sleight of hand here. He knows the future. And so he knows Pharaoh better than Pharaoh even knows Pharaoh. And we get down to verse 10, and he says, This is really interesting too. Um, Moses, I'm sorry, Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Okay, so Moses says, okay, when do you want him gone? Pharaoh says, tomorrow. And Moses says, okay, be it as you say. So that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. So you see there, Moses is telling Pharaoh, this is the purpose. This is why I'm giving you the option of when it's going to happen. So that you can know that there's no other God like him. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. Now, some of you are probably asking, okay, why in the world does he say tomorrow? (laughs) Why doesn't he say like today? Okay, I want them gone now. Well, to be honest, we don't know. Okay, the the text doesn't really say perhaps we we're only getting part of the conversation here. And maybe in Moses, when he asks him to give us a, a, or give Pharaoh a day, um, maybe the first opportunity is tomorrow, okay, maybe the way that he phrased it. Uh, th- th- and I think that's probably what's going on. That makes the most logical sense that Pharaoh is saying, okay, I want them gone as soon as possible. If tomorrow is the first day that they can be gone, make it tomorrow. Regardless, we see the purpose of Moses allowing Pharaoh to pick the time was so that we may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. Look at verse 12. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs as he agreed with Pharaoh. I mean, talk about praying for the one that's persecuting you, right? This is a good example of that. But but I think the real lesson here, though, is that, okay, worldly power means very little but humble, dependent uh, prayer. Uh, Somebody who's got a humble, dependent heart should expect great things from God. Uh, I think about some of the most powerful men in our world, the, the Jeff Bozes and the Bill Gates and the Elon Musks, and they have nothing compared to an 80-year-old man who's come to trust in the power of God. That's what we see here. Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world in that day, is powerless in this situation. and He asks an 80-year-old man, Moses, would you plead with God? to take away the frogs. And so Moses cries to God. Okay, and I, I think that word cries is significant because it implies a humility. It implies a desperation and a dependence. And I think the reason is because Moses over time, and he hasn't been perfect and he won't be perfect later on, but over time he has seen God's faithfulness. He has seen God's power and he has come to recognize, okay, God is faithful. He knows that God is good. And it's by his strength, by his power, that this will happen. You go to the New Testament, and I love how the Apostle Paul prays for the churches that he has helped start. Uh, And you can go ahead and turn there, or you can go, it's in the virtual bulletin, Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. This is one of the prayers to the church in Ephesus, And, and notice how he prays for their hearts to know his God and be strengthened by God's Spirit. I love this prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend notice he says strength to comprehend he doesn't say strength to be perfectly obedient okay obedience will come but his emphasis here in this prayer more than anything I want you to have strength so that you can know that you can comprehend with all the Saints that what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know And to know, and to know the love of Christ that is surpassing knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's his prayer. And that's my prayer for us this morning. We've been talking a lot lately about the importance of resting in Christ. Think about what does it mean to rest in Christ? It, It means that you have this utter confidence in God's promises. It means you have this utter confidence and assurance that God is able to do what we cannot do. It's knowing that he's going to keep his promises. And so what that does is it leads us to pray with this expectancy, knowing that in Christ, the promises of John 14 are true for us. John 14, 13 and 14. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name or or in my will this i will do that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask me anything in my name i will do it and so in christ we pray with confidence because we trust god to do what he says he's going to do and because he's in us and because we're in him he is always for us for him to say no to us when we're praying something in his name, in his will, is really to say no to himself, and he won't do that. And so Moses has come to know and to rest in God's promises. And so he prays, yes, with humility and with desperation and with a whole lot of dependency, because that's what happens. When you rest in God, when you rest in Christ, you become dependent, fully dependent upon him, him because you recognize You bring nothing to the table. It is all Christ. And he is the one that empowers you. And to to believe in him, to, to repent, to be obedient, it's all him. And so you become, your focus and your energy is primarily turned not to trying to be a good person, but to believe in Christ and trust him to work in you and to be dependent, fully dependent upon him. You go back to verse 13 in Exodus Uh, and the Lord did I mean you can stop right there he prayed and the Lord did and the Lord did according to the word of Moses and Moses knew he was gonna do that Moses had confidence that he would do that the frogs died out in the houses the courtyards and the fields I love this verse 14 and they gathered them together in heaps and the land stank and I don't think, I think there's a little humor in here, perhaps. Um, there's definitely, definitely irony, okay? You remember earlier, the Israelites were, were said to have stank in the eyes of the Egyptians. Well, now the Egyptians know what real stank is, as these heaps of frogs are decaying all around them. And then verse 15, once again, we see the heart of Pharaoh. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, in other words, when things got easy, He hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Again, this should not be a surprise to Moses, should not be a surprise to us. This is what God has been predicting all along. Now, I look at my own life, and if I'm honest, my flesh can be just as stubborn as Pharaoh, especially in those seasons where life gets a little bit easier and things going smooth it is so easy for me to kind of pat myself on the back take the credit and just kind of forget that okay it's God who is working in me and and it is him who is giving us anything that is good and so I'm slowly learning to appreciate more and more those seasons of difficulty because I I'm learning more and more that Those challenges are put in place by God to help remind me that I need to be dependent upon Him and to teach me to rely upon Him even more. Typically, if I'm honest, in the moment, I'm not all that appreciative. But as I look back on those challenges that God has brought me through, I can see God working mightily through the trials of my life and growing my trust in Him and my reliance upon Him. I'm also growing in gratitude I think towards the lord as i'm reminded more and more lately that that jesus did not have a hard heart his heart was never hard he he was perfectly obedient and righteous and because of that when we are in him our standing before god completely changes and when god looks at us like we talked about last week he sees Christ's righteousness in us and that's that's wonderful news that's wonderful news for us to rest in he removes our hard hearts because of that because he's in us he's removing our hard hearts and he's replacing them with hearts of flesh soft and moldable and willing to change and and obey And and I recognize that takes a lifetime I wish it would happen a lot faster I recognize it takes a lifetime, but we ought to have the same confidence that we have in prayer, that God is also sanctifying us, that he is doing the work and he is working in us and he will change us and mold us into his image. We ought to be able to to agree with the promise that we see in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 18, that he is forming us into his image, one degree of glory to another. We got to believe, Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so we should have that same kind of confidence in us as we're praying and as we're trusting God to mold us and to change us. I think Moses crying out to God here is just another reminder for us to not rely upon ourselves, but to rely fully on God not to rely on our flesh but to rely fully on the one who has made the promises and is faithful to keep the promises and so today as we as we go into communion again this is a visual of, of the reality that Christ did what we could not do paid the penalty for our sins, shed his own blood so that we could live for eternity with him and so let's pray that God would help us rely upon him depend upon him just like Moses does in this in this story father we come to you today and we recognize that often our hearts are stubborn and our, our flesh is stubborn are our, our, and often we we like to think that we can do it on our own but we're reminded once again from Moses, your servant, that when we rely on you, worldly power matters very little. What we can do on our own matters very little compared to what you can do through us and in us. And so help us believe that. Help us to rely upon you and depend upon you. Make our hearts believe, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're a visitor with us, we celebrate communion every single week because we recognize we need the reminder and the visual uh, of God's grace, okay? And so if you're a believer, if you're in Christ, we encourage you to join us in this celebration. This is a time for us to take a moment to get alone with God, confess our sins, be reminded of what Christ has done for us. Uh, This is also a time for us to give generously and, and sacrificially. If you're a visitor with us, don't feel obligated, but there's a box in the back you can give on the way out. Uh, this is also a time for us just to respond uh, in, in a number of ways. It may be a, a time for you to respond uh, by just celebrating with your brothers and sisters in Christ because God is moving in your hearts. Uh, I would love to celebrate. If God is opening up your eyes to see your need for a Savior and to, to you recognize that uh, only Christ can save you, I would love to celebrate that with you. Uh, Maybe this is a time where you just recognize, okay, I'm overwhelmed with life and I need prayer. I need somebody to step beside me and just pray with me. I'll be in the back. I would love to pray with you during this season. If you've got questions about salvation or Mercy Hill or membership or anything, don't leave today until you get those questions answered. After everybody's had a chance to take communion, uh, we're going to stand together and, and continue to sing the gospel to one another. You come as God is calling you to respond.